Hello again, my Keys Bartenders listeners. How are you today? Uh, this is Jim, the Keys Bartender, coming from the Keys. It's a chilly one for here today. Yes, it was actually in the 50s when I got in my car to drop my daughter off at school. But it's still beautiful. It's you know, it's around 70 degrees, uh, 72 degrees right now. Sunny, a little breezy, but a beautiful day once again. And uh, we have lots of people. It looks like season's starting again, and we're doing all right. And that bodes well for us in the Keys. I hope that you know people practice all those uh, things that make it safe now, that we're hopefully reaching the flip side of this pandemic with uh, the vaccines and all the variants that are coming around. So I hope you're doing well. I do think about the people that are listening, uh, where they're coming from. I'd like you to reach out and touch me sometime. I don't mean to physically touch at me. I mean, you could um, some way, but I mean, I'm talking about communication-wise. So if you have any questions or anything, please send them to jim at keysbartender.com, especially our foreign listeners. I want to hear from someone in India. How about Vietnam? Germany, ask me ask me some questions. I'll be happy to. Uh, I will endeavor to give you an answer. I, you know, sometimes I I do make light of certain questions and joke about it, but I try not. In an earnest question, I will not make fun of it. And if you don't want me to say your name, I'm happy not to say your name. I could do it anonymously. Just put anonymous on the bottom. I guarantee you. And that comes at a heart of matter today. Dependability. Y'all, uh, I don't know in your neck of the woods if you ever heard that thing. Uh, well, you know, people around here kind of take their time. Down in the Keys, they call it Keys time. When someone says they're going to do something. And that's not always the case. There's a lot of people that just take care of business all the time. And they're really good at fulfilling their obligations and stuff like that. And I'm not going to these bits where I'm bitching about people that don't. Uh, you know, that's that's their issue. I'm a, I was always a chronic procrastinator, especially when it came to things I do for myself. Right? All these things, putting things off. But then I, it, I'd have to say when I was younger, I took care of business until I was in my early 20s. And then I started becoming a really chronic procrastinator more and more. I or guess through the 20s, I became more. And then it was in my uh, 40s where I started buckling down again. Yeah, but it was fun. It was fun being a procrastinator from my 20s to my 40s. And um, now I'm kind of getting serious. Uh, I About five years ago, I became a notary. And I started notarizing things. And I did it half-heartedly. And then I built a, a Facebook page uh, that would do, that would advertise that, advertise ceremonies and remote notary. And then I went and did a website. I converted the Keys Baby website into Keys Notary website. I don't know how I did that. But, yeah, I did it on GoDaddy. And now I... Over the last couple of days, I've been 
I, I got it in my head to become a signing agent for uh, real estate loans, home finance, refinance, uh, reverse mortgages, and all that stuff. And what they do is they, a signing agent does on the day of the closing, they come in and they oversee the signing of all the documents that has to be done for uh, a transfer of property to occur. And there's a lot of documents. I, mean, I didn't realize that even though it's going to sound like a lot of documents, but they suggested for a refinance and a mortgage, there's 100 to 200 pages. Wow, 100 to 200 pages. In this day and age, they still have 100 to 200 pages. And I talk about legalese, how you make things more Byzantine, ornate, not ornate. You know, just a lot of twists and turns. But there's training for this stuff, and you got to learn what documents you need, what you can do with these documents, how you can, uh, if you have to alter something on it, what you can alter, what you can't alter, who can alter them, where you send them, where you sign them, what you say, what you don't say. I mean, there's, there's, and there's a lot more things and what, what the documents, what kind of documentation you need for the document and who signs them, who doesn't sign them, what this, what this document means. And you're not really supposed to tell, say, as a notary, I'm not a, a lawyer, so you're not supposed to really set, give any advice other than a, even notary advice. You're just saying this is what, when it asks for a notarization, it'll ask for a specific type. It'll ask for like an acknowledgement, a jurat, an affidavit, they're all different types of things. And I'm not trying to bore you with that stuff. But And it's, it's, it's not that deep a training. It's not like becoming a lawyer or anything like that. But there is a lot of dotting I's and crossing the T's. And when I got that B in my bonnet, I started fucking thinking about it. I said, you know, I do wedding ceremonies. I don't really push that that, that often because it's on the weekends. And currently I work on the weekends, so it's really hard uh, for me to do that unless it's like a wedding's on one in, early in the day or on my day off. And down in the Keys, you heard me mention before, you should have multiple streams of income just in case. Right? And the notary thing, even though I didn't last, last year, I didn't make that much doing it, uh, I figure I'd you know, double down and start pushing it. And start organ, organizing my marketing and what it can do and, and increasing my skills. And just do it. And But the, what I found in the keys, not just for when it comes to being a, this particular signing agent or a bartender or an instructor. Obviously, if you're working as a law enforcement officer or in medical field. Almost anything. You have to be dependable. You have to be there. There's no room for, I can't make it this day. Now, in restaurant business, some people, some places 
are more lenient than others. Some places are more lenient. Most places, if you don't, unless you have a doctor's note and stuff like that, but there's some people are chronically late. And some that sometimes they don't show up. I've seen people apply for jobs and they wouldn't show up the first day or to go to something else. It's it's starting someplace new. People get are really reluctant, and I said previously, they're really reluctant to do something new, go into a new environment, walk into a place uh, they don't know anybody, try to make a connection. You know, when you're desperate for a job, that's when people do it. But once they get the job, a lot of times, I, I, I was never um, shocked nowadays. I'm not as shocked after all the time. I've seen people apply for a job, get hired, show up for one shift, and not, uh, you know, just not show up the next one. Or not show up for the first shift. And not call. No show, no call. I never understood that one. That's more of a... And I'm not belittling day labor. Day laborers, you know, you can't really help it. If you're not hiring someone, you're not guaranteeing hours. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if someone doesn't show up. But if you're paying them adequately and consistently, then you should be consistent about showing up. And the quality of work that you do while you're there. It shouldn't be like a roller coaster where some days they're in a good mood, some days they're in a bad. And it's the thing about being on the island chain for some. There are top of the line places where you're, they're paying people a premium, compensating them a premium, premium, and people vie for those positions. So you may get the people that are most eager or dependable. But then there's other places where they don't. They they if if you don't expect a lot from the people that you have around you, then and you don't make them. I guess what you say, you just you don't make a commitment to to your own work. It's hard for you to ask people to make a commitment to theirs, and and, and if there's no repercussions for not showing up. Or things like that, and that's that's in the in the service industry in the resort areas. You get that because you get a lot of seasonal people. Some of them are really high end. Some of them not so. I recall one particular person who was coming in, young guy. This is maybe nine years ago. Young fella, skinny as hell, and nice nice guy. And he uh, he had an intravenous drug problem. And he said he was narcoleptic. That was the thing he said. He was a narcoleptic. And it, later, you could see by the conditions of his skin and his arms covered up on hot days and stuff. And then you'd see scabs. That poor, poor guy had a problem. And... The bartending job, I mean the bartending job, the, the server job. And the guy had done service before. He knew how to do it. Knew, but I talked, I was talking to this guy at the Encore. And he'd be leaning against the wall. And I'd see him fall asleep, just drift off in a conversation. One night it was like six times. Watching him and all of a sudden his face drifted down. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, it. I I I have never seen 
that in a work environment. I've seen that out at a bar, maybe someone going out and doing that. But I've never seen that someone standing and, and still standing and just kind of nod off. He would just start talking and talking and all of a sudden he goes, yeah, I live right over there on Snapper Avenue and blah, 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 and drop off asleep. And then he'd become awake and we'd go, oh yeah, I'm hoping to get a car next and all that stuff. And that car I'm looking for is probably, you know, just to get around town because uh, I don't like riding my bike all the time. And, and that's the way it would go, up and back. And he would start the conversation and come back. And that's why I don't like running. He would come out of that. And then eventually he didn't show up. And another guy who uh, I told you about, the guy I drove, uh, he, he hit me up. And use this. I have a substance abuse. I had a substance abuse. Uh, I was an alcoholic and I don't drink now. Blah, blah, blah. And then later on that night, he's drinking. You know, so, hey, buddy, try to keep the story straight. And then he told me his grandparents died. And he had a problem showing up for work. He was working in the kitchen. Big guy, around 6'8". Right? And he says to me one day, listen, I want to talk to you. My, one of my grandparents, another grandparent died? Yeah. One of my parents, grandparents died. Uh, and I'm selling my boat. And I have to go down the marathon. And I go, well, I can't tow a boat. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm just getting the money and then they're going to pick it up. And I said, well, why didn't he just give you the money when he picks up the boat? Okay, I'm just sounding like a crazy, crazy idea. So I told him, you know, because I'm supposed to help someone, this is part of the credo if you're in that group that I belong to, that um, I'll drive them and then we could talk. So the next day we're supposed to get on the road. But I, I told him, I said, listen, I got to be at work at four, so we got we to gotta be on the road by nine. The guy calls me at 1030, an hour and a half. And I'm, I'm like, okay. And I go and pick him up. You know, an hour and a half, I'm like, I'm kind of pissed. But I said, oh, I'll still take them. So I'm ready to turn down to go to Marathon. That's south of Key Largo, about 50 miles. And then he says, oh, they're not in Marathon. They're in Homestead. And I said, what? Rarely do you have someone that's in Homestead going up to Marathon. And if he lives in those bo- both places or travels, there's no reason why I can't come and see him. But I didn't ask him that question. And it was only like a, maybe a year sober or less than a year sober. So I drive him up. I drive him. He says, well, I know where he is. We go to, go to his apartment complex. It's kind of low in the park, apartment complex. I go, this guy's going to buy a boat? He can barely afford a living space. Why would he be buying a boat? And, and the guy says, a boat. You know, it's a little boat, a little skiff. So... He goes in, he's in there like 10 minutes, and he comes out, and he smells like crack. And I realize I've been had. And I'm looking at the guy. And he's younger than me, so I'm, I'm not, I'm going like this, what the hell are you doing? He goes, well, guy wasn't there. I got to go to this other place to see him. And he goes, where are we going? I'll direct you. And he directs me, if you've never been to Homestead, Florida City, or Florida City, there's uh, some really, really, shady motels 
the kind of motels you see off the interstate that rent by the hour. And I pull into the parking lot. I have the windows down. A woman, I'm not going to suggest she was a prostitute, but she had all the markings of the prostitute. She came up sashaying up to the car and she says, hey, baby, you, you want a party? And I'm looking, hmm. Okay, so this is where the guy that's buying a boat is going to meet you. And he goes, yeah, uh, I'll get out of here. And he gets out of there. And it's around 1130, I think, at that time. So I'm heading back. I call my sponsor. I tell him what happened. He goes, you should never do anything like that. That guy was using you. I said, well, I figured that out. And uh, we had to be in work around 4 o'clock because we opened at 5. And around 3 o'clock, I got a call from the guy. Hey, I'm up in Homestead. Would you come up and pick me up? I said, that's an hour and a half, and i got to be in work at 4, same time you're supposed to be. You shouldn't have been doing what you're doing. He goes, oh, man, he started giving me a song and dance. I said, you're on your own. And I hung up, and I blocked his phone number. Well, I mean, I didn't know what my duties were, but I just went and called up the manager. I didn't tell him what we said. Uh, I said, and I said, hey, uh, I know the guy had missed a couple shifts before. And I said to him, is that guy coming into work tonight? Do you expect him to be in work tonight? He goes, no, I'm not. I'm really not depending on him anymore. I said, wait, I, I I didn't know if, you know, there was some kind of animosity, but he says, no, nah, no. Nah. He said, well, he's not coming in tonight. <laughs> it was like this. So the story came around that I had drove, uh, I had taken him for a ride. And a buddy of mine, Rod, from Michigan, he's from Michigan now. Uh, he lives there. He was he lived down here. He was a sushi guy. He goes, hey, did you get a guy a ride today? Yep, he's not coming to work tonight. And the story got around. Rod started telling people that I killed him. <laughs> I killed the guy. But that, uh, I didn't say, I didn't kill him. And, you know, I heard uh, he told a bunch of stories. He had both in the, in a week and a half he worked there. He had two grandparents died and his trailer caught on fire. At least that's the story. And he sold a boat. So that was, I wouldn't call that a typical, I wouldn't call that a typical Keys employee. I'm just saying it's not an unusual Keys employee. And you can kind of see them come in. They're sleeping. They, um, I got people in. They work in the restaurant business and stuff like that. And they sleep on people's couches. They work seasonal. I had a friend who was renting. Uh, he was renting a property. And this is the deal. Now listen to this one. Now the people that come in and rent, they're the ones that may not be too dependable. He, he rents the primary. Let's say he's a primary on a property and it's 2000 a month. And what he does on that property, he may have like two rooms and he'll rent uh, two extra rooms. He'll rent the two extra rooms and he also rents out the living room couch for people. And he had a uh, trailer outside, a camper trailer. And he'd have four people going on the property and he, he, he didn't work. The guy, he just kind of was on, and he had a he had a, a latch on his door, you know, one of his padlocks on the outside, which I go, you know, man, 
you know, one of these days, someone's going to, you got the padlock there, someone's going to rob you blind there. Uh, but he goes, they're not going to rob me, they're going to rob the, uh, they're going to rob the rest of the place. And I go, oh, okay, you got it right. I say, yeah, but you got, um, he has these people in there. And it kind of worked out for him. I think he still does this. And prior to that, he had lived in a house where there was like seven people. One person was practically living in a closet. And there was a, a young girl, I think it was the landlord's daughter, who was working part-time in adult film industry up in Miami. So that's a part of the Keys experience. And down in Key West, you see that a lot. Because for a studio apartment there, you're, you know, one room, one bathroom, you're looking at 20, uh, no, 20, uh, $2,000 a month, if you're lucky, a decent place. Uh, 2000 a month. Now, if you're lucky enough, because it's the keys, if you're working at a place that's high volume and it's a tourist place that attracts a lot of people, you're going to make that money. You're going to make that 300 bucks a, a night that you're going to need in order to get by. But yeah, that, that, that rent is going to be dear there. So you better be dependable. Or you're going to be sharing, sleeping on someone's couch. And paying four hundred a month for that, but there's a lot of people down here that they do the housemates thing, and they got like three, four people going, and that, and that is, I've, I, I've done that once with um, a friend from the program, and at, at a condo, and it was a nice condo too, so I was great. I had a great pool and all that stuff. I kind of enjoyed it, but I wasn't big into as an adult. When you have a, a I had a, my, I was with Abby at that time. I really didn't enjoy the scrutiny I got. Right, just one of those things. But my superpower down here, like I said, about being dependable. Being dependable across all the jobs you have. If you tell someone you're going to be someplace, you just tell them you're going to do it. And if you can't do it, like with the notary thing, I just say with people, I explain people. I What I uh, do is without the signing agent thing, if someone needed a will notarized or some documents notarized and they didn't want to go to the uh, UPS store where they have a notary or the bank, or the library, I don't know if the library does it anymore, that, I mean, that's, I said, that's the one you go, and they may do it for free or a small charge, like five ten dollars I said, mine's a premium because they got to leave. And they said, well, how about if I come to your house? And I said, well, I, wait, I'm not running a storefront here. I'm a mobile one. It's like, if you're a mobile mechanic, you don't want someone to come to your house. I'm not going to compare myself to a doctor or a lawyer. Unless you have the office there. But that's not what I was doing. So, but I said, listen, if you come to my work and it's just a simple one, I'll say like this. If you can't find anybody, if it's a simple one, come and see me. I'll bring my stamp in. I'll do it on, I'll do it gradually. Just pass, pass it on to someone. Be, you know, decent to someone. I said, if, if they can't find anybody. But I'm not going to start giving it away by, I charge a premium because I would go to their house. And that's what I the, the business model for this Keys Notary thing was. But the signing agent thing, I thought, wow, I mean, you got to be dependable with that.
You have to be. Because as soon as some of the things you have to, uh, you got to print out. There's hundreds. Sometimes there's 200 pages. And sometimes you got to print them out. And then you got to scan right away back to the mortgage con- company. Or, you know, the lender. They, they want those documents back. They want them within, they don't want you to sit on them for 24 hours. So you got to just go and do it. You got to go to the FedEx. You got to go to UPS. People love that stuff when you take care of that stuff. If you're dependable, you don't have to be a superstar about a lot of stuff. Showing up for work and you say, you tell them, say, I'll be there. I'll do it. And that's dependability down here. And once you're dependable down here, uh, you know, like dependable and being dependable in a big city is not a great big deal because the people that excel, they get, you know, there's tons of reviews people have and said they're dependable, this is dependable, stuff like that. Down here, there's people that provide service where you ask them to do something and you drop your vehicle off someplace. They may get to it today, tomorrow, or the next day. They told you you'll have it today by 3 o'clock. I've done it sometimes where they didn't have it for two days. And it's not because they were, you know, they try to tell you that it's something more difficult. And then they're going to bilk you a little more, right? Or, um, you know, just anything. Um, any any of these service providers, you'd be so, um, they, they just... Don't feel the need for it. There isn't. There's not a lot of competition for certain jobs down here. So good luck getting someone to you know fix your roof, or a plumber to your house, or an electrician. And there are dependable ones here. There's a lot of dependable ones here. But there's other ones you go here, and they just don't get to it. I, I'm sorry, I didn't get to it today. That's the famous answer. Right? When did that start happening? I'm sorry I didn't get it to it today. It sucks. You gotta underperform. If people you're there overbooking, you know, I like to uh underpromise and overdeliver. Right? So and I'm not saying it makes me a superstar, it's just part of it's greed and managing your reputation. So yes, two days ago, I'm at the gym. What was it was it yesterday? Two days ago. Yeah, Wednesday. I'm at the gym. I'm working out. And I hadn't been there for like a week and a half or something like that. And I just wanted to get my workout in. I get a phone call. Guy needs a, some loan documents signed. I told him it was uh, 8.30. And I told him I, I realized I didn't have anything in my the car I just purchased. I didn't have my notary stamp and all that stuff. So I said to him, okay, I got I got to drive... 11 miles north and 11 miles back to south. I said, I'll be back. I'll be there at 1030. Is that all right with you? And he goes, yeah, I'll be home all day. So I finished my workout, ran home. I didn't know if there was going to be a traffic jam. I saw there was traffic backing up a little when I drove out of the gym. And I go, oh, man, I hope I make it back for 1030. I turned out I made it there by quarter of uh, 10, 45 minutes early. I called the guy. I said, I'm gonna, probably going to be there 45 minutes early. Earlier than I said. And the guy said, oh, well, an hour and 15 minutes. And he goes, oh, that, okay. So that's, um, you know, give your estimate, give yourself a little buffer sometimes and then get it done. The people that say, I can get that done in an hour and then it's three hours later. 
It's not going to be done. It's not going to be done that day. So they overpromise and underdeliver. I can do this. A friend of mine was working on his car. He had it, um, this old Ford. And it was old. This is back eight. It was in the late eighties, and it was a 1961 Ford. But it was it hit. It got touched all around that car. But the one he wanted to do some work on the side of the car. He was like me. He didn't like spending. He didn't like spending over three four hundred dollars for a car. You know, as long as it ran, it was easy to work on. The guy was good with cars. So he's working on a, a his car, looking at it, and the guy. Kid comes walking up around 16 years old. He says, listen, I thought about body. I'll help you. I know a lot about it. And the guy says, oh, well, what do you work with? And he goes, what do you mean I work with? I work fixed body. He goes, what What do you put on there? How are you going to fix it? And the kid didn't know. Well, the kid was eager, so he finally said, listen, if you help me out, uh, I'll give you like 30 bucks. And it's back in the 80s and it was pretty good money and stuff like that. And the kid helped him while he was under a car and he gave him 30 bucks at the end of that. Uh, he was putting Bondo on the side of that. And this was a friend of mine that one night uh, we were, I had a 1980 Hornet and he had, oh God, a tiny little car like a Nash or anything like that. But we were going to a, uh, it was three in the morning. We had a couple drinks. We were going to an all-night diner. Hey, it was crazy 80s back then, late 80s. And I'm pulling my car up. Or late, yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, I, I think I spent 100 bucks on this car. Maybe 200 bucks. And I'm ready to get out, and all of a sudden, I get whammed in the side of the car. And it's my buddy. And he hit me with his car. Now, his car was about 17 years 18 years, maybe 20 years older, 25 years older. So when I ran into him, the gauge on my, uh, the, I had less rust and all that stuff. I hit his door. He couldn't get out of his passenger side after that. And then uh, we <laughs> we are outside in the diner parking lot, whacking each other's cars with each other, looking at demolition derby. We weren't near anybody else's car, but we attracted quite the audience and there was uh, an officer I knew Phil Early and he saw me and I think he was off duty at that time and he looked at us and he goes you know that was quite entertaining that you two guys were doing that I said well I wasn't expecting I was kind of pissed off but I don't know why I was pissed off because it was a $200 car but it was my transportation at the time that's how we ended with the dependability. Those cars were dependable back then. I mean, that 1980 White Hornet, the Green, I mean, they were they were dependable. That car was dependable. It wasn't a pretty car. It had it was a Levi edition. It had a blue jean interior. It wasn't the prettiest car. It had straight six in it. It, it, it kept you know it kept up with the speed limit. And. I never really had to do much for it. I mean, in Pennsylvania, though, you have to get inspections. And inspections for that. People come up looking at you and they said, I'm going to nail this guy. But it always passed inspection eventually. And uh, one time I was driving down 95 and I ran. I, uh, there was across two of the lanes. There was a ladder and it was perpendicular to the car. 
when I saw it come up and I was 30 feet away and there was no way I was going to, I was going to, no way I was going to get um, around it. And I just ran straight over. No problem. And I was I-95 and I was ready to pull over and try to, you know, grab it. And I just realized, man, I'm going to get killed. It's dark outside and stuff like that. Um, uh, and ended up pulling off the side of the road and uh, pulling the ladder off. But I mean, I thought uh, someone was going to, you know, run into the side of me or something like that. Okay, well, listen, uh, I'm going to do my late commercial. If you're in Key Largo and you're at near mile marker 102, right in the heart of Key Largo, Oceanside, you'll find a great restaurant and bar called the Catch Restaurant and Bar. And from Monday to Friday, they have happy hours from 3.30 to 6.30. They have great lunch specials, dinner specials. If you bring your own, they have, it's American-style seafood and uh, non-seafood dishes. You can uh, have your own catch. You bring them in to prepare it several different ways. They have a full bar. They have great, during that happy hour, they can have great food and drink prices. So come in and see us at the Catch Restaurant, mile marker 102 in Key Largo. And if you like the podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And uh, if you have any questions, send them to jim at keysbartender.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back next week. Bye.